Whenever I talked about things, it made sense to people. Whenever I wrote them down, I look at it and I'm like, what is it that we do again? Where is it that we, <laughs> are we different than these other consulting companies? You're listening to the Not Yet Podcast, a bi-weekly show exploring the relationship between creativity and spirituality. I'm your host, Paige Polk, an Emmy Award-winning experience director, helping you honor the dreams you have for yourself and your community. You're in the right place if you have the courage to believe in a world you haven't yet seen. I'm so grateful you're here. Now let's start the show. Welcome back to the Not Yet Podcast. I'm here with a super fun, super smart, super introspective guest here, uh, Rima Bashanitsin. Hi, Rima. Hi. Nice to see you again, Paige. <laughs> it's nice to see you again, too. It is genuinely so nice to see you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit of a black and white intro of Rima. She is the founder and CEO of Dialogue, a multidisciplinary strategy advisory working at the intersection of people, technology, and society. Rima founded Dialogue with the conviction that connection and empathy are fundamental forces for how business shapes society. Rima's work connects and synthesizes often disparate ideas, methodologies, and practices. She believes that when we engage in dialogue across difference, true transformation of business, culture, and the self, is possible. You know, it's so funny because we have been working on, um, by we, I mean the team and I have been working on uh, how we want to talk about ourselves. And I feel like this is an ever-changing, evolving thing. What you read was actually one of the earlier ones, which is great to hear it again, because I also have something in front of me that we've been working on that I've been testing and thinking through like, um, and feeling through actually, because I want to make sure that it not only does it make sense to others, but also actually feels good to say. So it feels good to hear you say that. Um, because I, th- I think a lot of what you said is very true still, um, in the work that we do, we've just finally, I think, gotten to a place where we can be very specific about the value that we add as well. Cause I think for many years we were, you know, um, sort of just kind of went with, with what people, I didn't really care so much what people thought about what we did, as long as we were doing an interesting work, good work. Um, But then I also realized I'm like, well, clients won't be able to find us if we don't actually tell them what our value is and what problems we're solving. So I have to get over this hump and actually talk about the thing that's, that's, and articulate the value in a way, which was really hard because in some ways we, yes, we do strategy consulting and it's, it, it is services based, but there's some sort of um, in the methodology and how we've developed it. I feel like for a long time, there was some sort of artistic sort of element of, or the relationship of it was almost like, you can't articulate. You just have to be part of the process and you get what it is, you know? And then, and then several years ago, we were like, okay, let's just, let's sure we can do that. And also we, we should be able to also speak to what we're providing with clients or to clients rather. So I think um, to answer your question, it's, uh, yeah, it feels good to hear you say that. Um, and I'm always interested actually for my own research too, like what sentences people pick out of the, of the bio of the, from the website, like what stands out as like interesting things to mention when they're introducing, uh, myself or, or the company. Um, yeah. So it's just nice. It was interesting to see what you chose. I love that because I, I really, before we sat down to record, I sat down with your bio and there's so many aspects of your work that you could talk about your, um, your 
deeply rooted approach coming from the art world, how multidisciplinary action is part of the air that you breathe, um, your speaking and the different media that you use when it comes to the actual output of your work. Like they're so, it's so robust. Mm-hmm. And when I was choosing what parts to really like share with this audience, mm-hmm. I thought about what you value, what you value and your approach mm-hmm. to what I perceive to be life as, as a whole, uh, that also seems to transfer into the work that you create for others around you. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just felt so appropriate uh, for a few reasons. One, because those are just the things that I'm personally interested in. Yes. Good, good. Um, just uh, I'm personally interested in those things because those are the things that um, I feel connect me to you deeply. Mm. Uh, I'm also very interested in those things because they made sense for our conversation today because uh, I really wanted to talk to you about entrepreneurship as a a journey of self-exploration and self-expression. Uh, I I have struggled personally. Well, I don't want I want to claim that word. I have ruminated personally. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, I have ruminated personally about about having my, uh, the way that I make money in this world, just very tangibly, the way that I make money in this world being very closely tied to how I live my life. Uh, And it can feel like a bit of a tug of war sometimes of, oh, am I marketing Mm -hmm. for... And like, what am I marketing? Like, cause you, you can't really brand yourself one because identity is ever shifting. Like it is never stagnant unless there are some sort of things that are like biological realities. And even those change. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so being able to like articulate clearly what your approach is to life and living is super valuable for you when you're trying to identify what your values are and what's guiding you as as a life force. And also it can feel kind of heavy as well. It can feel like a really deep lurching undertaking. Um, And I'll speak for myself. uh, Sometimes I take things really personally. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes that hurts the work. Mm-hmm. That makes and, sense. And you've had a journey in different industries, building your own team, building your own organization, and helping other organizations figure out how their identities interact with larger trends in the world. And so I couldn't think of a better person <laughs> to speak to um, about sort of navigating those tensions, what are the things that are, that really call you and keep you grounded in that ever-changing process? Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's true. I think whenever you're building something personal, regardless, I mean, even if you're building a tech product, it's still personal to you because you, if you conceptualize that you've put it together and then it lives in the world without you, it's still attached to you somehow, unless you separate yourself from the organization you created and very intentionally. Um, I think, I mean, I've had, um, I wouldn't say like 
I would say entrepreneurship is very difficult. I think uh, to understand, like, unless you are in a transactional business, for example, um, my accountant, I'm sure she has moments of, uh, of, you know, ebbs and flows in terms of her relationship with her own business and sort of how it's doing or how she wants to build it or whatnot. But at the end of the day, her work is actually her skill set in accounting exchanged for dollars that she receives because her skill set is unique to, to me and very valuable to me because that's what I need from, to, for my business to function. If she was doing, um, you know, coaching and accounting at the same time, I'm sure her relationship to her business might be a little bit different in the sense that there's a lot more personal, um, like personal uh, energy that she needs to put in to manage not only the thing that she's exchanging, but also the other piece of it, which is a very human piece of exchanging like wisdom and like, and, and, and conversation and sort of, and then being able to f- create value around that, which we as humans, I think naturally think of as like, oh, well, I'm just talking to people. I shouldn't necessarily think about it as me adding a tremendous amount of value to their lives. And then thinking through about, oh, wait, by the way, that is my business. Therefore I should be charging for it. Therefore there is but how much should I be charging for? Where is my value? What does what does that mean for the people? How people know me in, in the world is that like am I, um, you know, what am I? What, what is my purpose in general? Right? Like I feel like these big questions exist for entrepreneurs quite a bit, and I think uh, especially for female entrepreneurs, we tend to not uh, productize quickly. We tend to sort of ruminate, to your point, on an aspect of our value and how we want to bring that forward. We don't want to necessarily do too much so that we're not look, we don't look like we're cocky or overly confident. So we're sort of trying to like be like, hold our ground, um, be in this uh, particular place. And then, and then still kind of be like aim towards a version of success that's in our own head. So I oftentimes like um, when we started, you know, I came from a corporate corporate background and like I, I started my career in m and um, I worked for a very large consulting company. I was oftentimes, you know, traveling to different uh, destinations and working with all sorts of executives and managing them and managing the work and managing the teams and, and at the same time being managed because at some point, at any point in a, in a, in a large organization, you're either, no matter where you are, you're being managed, whether either the, you're the CEO and the board manages you, the CEO manages other, you know, you're always in this relationship. It's up, to, um, you're looking up or you're looking down hierarchically, right? Um, and I think, uh, there, you know, I, uh, it was easy not to take things personally because you realize that you're just, a, you are just a, a person that is performing a particular set of tasks. And, and, and I mean, you're still strategic and it's not that, you know, you know, I'm not sort of diminishing, uh, people's value in large organizations, but I think you're looked upon as, um, a box of contributions that is, you know, has a set of expertise and can move the work along a particular pipeline for lack of a better term. And I think it's very easy to say, oh, okay, I'm, this person isn't, uh, is not necessarily, um, like uh, attacking me personally or thinking, saying something to me personally, it's literally because it's all in service of the work, right? They're looking at it that they have outputs to, pr- to produce at the end of the day, whether it's a project plan or, or a program or whatever we're producing, and they just need it to go smoothly. So if something is off and they give feedback, it's not because they don't like Rima, it's because they want 
the work to continue to move smoothly across this very linear process, right? But then when I got into like being an entrepreneur and I, and I kind of did a, I left corporate for, for a stint. I went into the arts uh, because I wanted to sort of double click on my arts background and really see like in my late twenties and early thirties, I'm like, can I build a business in the art world? Can I actually um, do something that's balancing my thirst for creativity with my business acumen? And I mean, I discovered a completely different uh, set of a, a, a completely different world where is, whereas in the business world, I was looked at as like a set of, you know, a set of um, uh, like tasks and activities and strategies and things that I was putting together and like, you know, working with teams and like really moving work forward. You go into the arts and it's like, who are you socially? Who are your parents? Uh, where did you grow up? What schools did you go to? And where, and then classifying you by where and how you belong by a very different set of rules and expectations and norms. And so it was interesting to me because I, it is there that I actually started looking at myself and thinking like, wait, why would so-and-so want to meet with me? Is it because they respect where I went to school or because they actually like what I have to say? And there was this constant reconciliation of like ego to self, to others, to like figuring out like, is like the self-worth piece suddenly came up where I never had to really deal with it too much in corporate because I felt like very much agnostic of my emotions and feelings at work. And here was like all of these emotions, all of these feelings getting to the heart of all the things that I was like uh, potentially even struggling with without knowing like completely just suppressed but coming out of the business world. And so in the arts, it was really interesting because I found where my value is in terms of how I was actually helping artists think about the work that they're doing and articulate the value of their work and the value of their practice outwardly, even though my business in the arts was actually working with collectors and helping them acquire fine art, like collections of fine art. Um, but when I started talking to artists and started kind of understanding what they're saying is actually really fu like future forward and very much about, you know, commentary and intervention of us regular people in the business world and helping us actually come to come to grips with the reality of things changing and what would that mean from like anything from climate change to social social um, justice to even just your own personal relationship to self. And I thought to myself, okay, like this is the world that basically um, is the, these are the futurists of our time. And what business is calling innovation happens like 10 or 15 years down the line for business, but artists already been talking about this for years, oftentimes 30, 40 years in advance of everything else. And so as I was thinking about everything and my, my value and what I know and how my, like how my uh, career had come together, I realized that actually what I should be doing and what I'm really good at is taking the infrastructure of the business world, bringing this other world that made me question my values, my worth, my everything, and bringing into the, into this space of this, as I call it, like a proverbial boardroom um, that effectively is helping um, organizations like understand the broader cultural landscape and where they where their value lay, lies and how they might be able to create a greater impact either individually for the execs and the people that work in the organization or for the company as a whole and how it fits into a larger ecosystem. And then as I'm doing this, I'm also realizing, well, I should not be doing freelance. I should really be organizing this in the methodology around a particular um, in this approach in my company. So then we started, I formed dialogue and there it was this, like, I think for the first two years was like 
you know, as we were prototyping, as we were also working with clients, but sort of like still trying to figure out our footing. And like, I remember having sitting in my home office um, in San Francisco and having like this wall of sticky notes of like mappings of like, how does that world map to this world? Who do we need to know? How do we need to organize the people that we need to know? How do we talk about the work and what is the value of the work? Because whenever I talked about things, it made sense to people. Whenever I wrote them down, I look at it and I'm like, what is it that we do again? Where's the value? How are we different than these other consulting companies? But we are. And I think um, in terms of like how I think about like myself now, or even myself as leading a team and, and also, um, you know, having, you know, we have emotional roller coasters every, every week, right? Something changes, something happens in the news, something happens in our internal bodies. And like, we react to that and we embody that and we have to like process it. And the more attuned we are, as you know, the better we can sort of overcome humps and kind of just move along smoothly. The first step to creating the world of our dreams is cherishing our ideas, which is why Not Yet is launching our reimagining series, spring 2023 events to reimagine the next chapter of our cultural reality. The experience will touch spaces like connection, art, life and work, technology, the built environment, and sustainability. We're hosting events and venues across Durham, North Carolina, New York City, Los Angeles, and the internet. So what creators should we partner with? Know the perfect venue for an inspired panel? Tell us these thoughts and more at notyetseries.com where you'll see our reimagining events icon. Click through and you'll get right to our feedback form so we can create this event series together. Now let's get back to the show. But I don't see right now like where we are post-COVID, where we are um, as a generation, like I'm a geriatric millennial, but I feel like my whole thing was always to be around, like um, to work in an organization where my values are aligned with, with the output of what, what's happening. Now that didn't happen in consulting, which was why it was probably so easy for me to let go of any feedback of any sort of negative uh, or, or positive conversations around my worth or my contribution. Cause I wasn't passionate. My values weren't in that work, right? Yes, I did great work, like, of course, but I wasn't connected to it. But the moment I got connected to what I want to do and how I want to be perceived and what the work looks like, if something is like misaligned, I'm right away, like I can feel my body react. I can feel that there's like a, an, either an integrity issue or something where it doesn't feel good anymore to move forward sideways, upward, downward, whatever. And so then I have to question like, what are we doing here and why are we doing it? And are we doing it with the right people and for the right reason? And I think um, once I can feel through some of these things, um, then, and now I'm really good at being fairly quick about it. um, Then I no longer worry about like whatever's happening to me or around me impacting me negatively, right? Because then I could just say, well, my values are these three things. So if integrity, if I don't feel in my integrity, then it's a no. If I don't feel, you know, whatever other things kind of come up for that particular decision, then it's a no. And I don't feel um, particularly personally attached to to anything. So I've been able to sort of reconnect with the values piece absorb it and then now disconnect, uh, not disconnect, but distance myself from it, almost like from an, aw- an awareness standpoint, right? Like I see it, it's moving, it has wings, it's color, you know, there's color to it. 
but I don't need to touch it. I don't need to be in it. I can actually have a conversation with someone. They can attack my values. I'm not going to take it personally anymore. And so it's been an interesting um, build of, of growth, really. I mean, it's just been, there's been a lot of personal work involved. There's been a lot of um, questions and, and, and uh, probably more questions than answers in all of this. And that's kind of how I, I, I've been navigating and still navigate to date from like the people I hire to the clients I just choose to take on. Um, those are, that's kind of how I try to, you know, relate to those things. So I don't know if I answered the question, but, but I kind of went hopefully in the right direction. <laughs> I appreciate the journey. I appreciate it. And also something that is singing so clearly to me mm-hmm. is, uh, the work that you did in the art world that brought you to interrogate and get very intimate with your own understanding of your worth, your mm-hmm. personal worth, as in like you, Rima Bashranitsen, and also mm-hmm. the contributions that you can create and make in space is mm-hmm. what catapulted you into creating something that was entirely unique in your own. Mm-hmm. I think so often when we feel that resistance that, oh my gosh, this feels like a personal attack, (laughs) or -hmm. this is entirely different than what I expected. I don't know if I can navigate this, or I have no clue how to navigate this. That's when we find sort of our diamond. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you're in a space where you have articulated your diamond and you don't have to touch it and anyone can question it and they can critique it or wonder about it or ask about it. And you can offer real grounded responses. Yes. And this is also not to say that there aren't bad days when someone says something to me and I like get really irritated and or upset about it. And then I realize, oh, wait, does it actually matter? Yeah. But it's still, we still have human responses, right? It's not like we detach and we're not um, with it, but yeah, no, I mean, I think there's, um, there's a clear, I think there's, once you get clear on what you value, I think, or what you just choose to pay attention to, maybe that maybe is an easier way of looking at it. Um, I think it's much easier to say, to say no. And also to just become kind of like what I call Teflon, right? Like where things a little bit, did they just slide off? Right. And to say yes. Yeah. And to say yes, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. What are you paying attention to right now? Ooh, good question. Good question. Mm. I am. I'm paying attention to where. Uh, what I'm actually paying attention to, what other people are paying attention to in relation to um, dialogue. I think, right? I mean, that's one aspect of my life, and so I'm looking at sort of. Um, common data points of like, what is getting people curious about the work that we do? And can we, is that, is that an accurate representation of the actual work? And can, and does that strike something in me that's exciting? Or like, do I get like, what, what really like lights me up, you know, and how, how can I do more of that in the work that we do? Um, And not necessarily in response to other people's positive reactions, but more just sort of listening for what's happening and actually really being attuned to what's happening for me inside. And then how are we bringing the work to life and what does that mean for the work as well? And then in my personal life, um, I have a six-year-old daughter and I feel like I'm super attuned to her, what she's paying attention to and what she 
is seeing and experiencing. And it's really just interesting for me. It's more of like a, um, like a psychological journey of sorts, right. To just see what a six-year-old's like, how do they think where, how they jump from conversation to conversation, um, what they believe to be true versus what is actually the reality of the truth of, of a situation, um, how they see their friends and where they bicker, where they don't, how they like take care of one another. Really interesting to observe so raw and so innate to how, like how we are as humans. And sometimes a lot of these very um, natural feelings, we just kind of forget that they used to exist within us and, you know, just the society, right? Like we're living in a, we're not living in the jungle, right? We're living in a place where we're constantly disrupted. And so just seeing this purity in her um, has been really interesting. And we, we don't actually uh, do anything with like television or, or devices with her. So she's really, um, you know, she's very tactile. She's very interested in like, not just like sitting, but she's, I mean, she can sit too, but more like uh, getting engaged with different things at the same time or separately, but then bringing the stories together, bringing the uh, kind of the toys together and these really interesting stories and how things are relating and what she looks on as, and can create a toy out of, you know, versus the actual, like how we think what a toy would look like. And so very cool kind of um, perception, reality, like cognitive psychological things that I'm, that I'm, I've always been curious about this. So this is just me like geeking out. Um, and then in my own self, like I watch my own response to everything that's happening around me, both whether it's happening to me, even though it's not really happening to me, but it's happening around me and how I'm responding to the perception of it happening to me. Um, I'm evaluating and thinking about uh, and feeling through some of the relationships I've had and have personal, professional uh, close from, from recent to, um, a long time ago and just ex like experiencing like how I feel in relationship to some of the people that have been in my life. And like, what does that feel like now I'm turning 40 in two months. So I think that's also been like something that's on my mind. It's, I'm not looking at it as like a huge deal, but I think it's, um, you know, life over the past, like five years, maybe not even less, less than five years over the past three years, suddenly, as I tell my friends, I feel like we're finally adulting, you know, there's something that's happened. I don't know if it was COVID or, or COVID just accelerated everything, but I feel some, somehow things are getting real. You know, people are experiencing life to its fullest from like the saddest truth to like the most happiest of joy. And there's this fluctuation amongst my, even just my immediate circle of friends of what they're, what's coming into their lives and how they're processing it. It's been very, it's been fascinating to watch because for so many years in my twenties and my thirties, it was like those people that are there that are happened to be probably my friends. Cause I used to, I've always had older friends, but it was their forties. It was their thirties. It was their fifties. And now I'm like, Oh shit, this is me. Like I am living into these years now and, and I'm super conscious of it. And there's everything else is behind me. Um, and it's just, it's fascinating. And I, it's just fascinating to look backwards and forwards and, and really just um, create, you know, see where the, like, see where some meaning pops up too. Like, is there anything I should even like care about, you know, or should I just like let these thoughts pass as they do and just, and they're good. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's been an interesting year uh, this year, you know, 2020, I think was like, what the hell? 2021 was like, okay, cool. Okay. Wait, okay. I got this. I could do this like shelter in place situation, but I kind of need to get out of it. Uh, okay. Here I am getting out of it, taking a little trip, 
hopefully nobody notices, nobody judges me for it, but I'm doing it because I need it. And then 2022 is like all hands are, you know, there's no, it, it feels like we're finally released in like this way, but like, but the world is still in pain, you know, and the world, and you know, there's just a lot of processing of, of grief and trauma and, 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 and also just like purity of life. And, and I think it's, this has been a very interesting and very heavy, very light, very heavy, very like uh, dimensional year for, at least for in, in, in my circle um, of family, friends and personal. Um, so yeah, there's just a lot of like feeling through and like trying to walk through things that we're not like avoiding, but just dealing with whatever needs to come our way. Yeah. Yeah. That resonates a lot. I've been noticing, uh, I've been noticing it feels harder to avoid. It feels harder to avoid life. Uh, yeah. And for a few reasons, one, I I don't think people want to anymore. And Mm -hmm. I also think that we're still figuring out how to not avoid it because we've spent years, decades in a sense, inadvertently, whether it was intentional or not, who knows, but through cycles and practice, avoiding Mm -hmm. life. Totally. And you're very right. There is a lot of living and a lot of grief and a lot of transformation that is just alive and breathing right now. And it's so big and it's so present and it's so aware. You can't shut your eyes. (laughs) You can't shut your eyes and pretend that it's not there. So it's just like this big, beautiful space of life. I mean, all you can do is just keep breathing which is exhilarating yeah. and also terrifying and also chaotic and also rich. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of recognizing what thoughts you choose to pay attention to because there are so many. Yeah, totally. Well, it was just so easy to keep going right before COVID and then we stopped and then we had to look at ourselves. And I would say like, you know, I have um, a number of people in my life that are really good at not looking the other way. They're, they're excellent at looking the other way. In fact, I feel like I, I even wonder sometimes, is there anything to look at? Or are they just looking like they're not, they're not, it's not that they're not paying attention. It's just that they're, there's nothing to pay attention to in their lives. Cause I, they're just so good at what they do. And then I remember that we're all human. We all have things to, to process. And if we're looking away, that's a, you know, a particular way of, of being, but it is true. Like I, I, you know, life is, uh, I feel like our society creates a fabulous opportunity for us to miss out on very many, many things and then get to an, a, a place in our lives where we're looking back and with regret. And I feel like now we have this moment to really reshape what we pay attention to, to your point, but also um, what do we want to be and do and how do we want to go through life, right? Doing is not necessarily for everyone, um, but what, what does it mean to live, right? Is it, is it, doing these kinds of conversations and working nine to five and whatever, raising, you know, two kids and a dog and, and whatever, or is it living in a jungle and traveling all the time and, you know, being really close to nature? I think it's different for everybody, but I um, often wonder how much of an intersection could that be with, with those two polarities that I just presented 
and would, would, would anybody on either side of those polarities actually come to the middle and like find joy there? Um, I mean, everyone's different, right? There's no right answer of how to live, but as mm -hmm. long as you're getting your, as long as you're fulfilled, right? Coming out of your, whatever it is, fulfillment. And that's kind of where I'm, I've been questioning a lot of my personal um, and professional sort of like outlook for the next, let's say two to three years. Um, what, what sparks something in me, some, something else, like creates an aliveness that I feel is like resonating through my whole body. And I want to pay attention to that. And oftentimes I, some, I, I noticed in myself that I get to those places almost unconsciously in a way, like there's something that I've created. Like, for example, I've had, you know, I've had a, um, a group of women in my life where we connect uh, monthly and we're, you know, it's a, it's a women's circle. How I got to be part of this women's circle was a, 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 like kind of a fluke. I mentioned something to a friend of mine where I was like, I really want to work on myself and like empathy and like sort of understanding. This is like years ago, right? And like, and, and creating more understanding of like, um, I think at the time it was something around um, just my own personal development, nothing to do with anyone else. And suddenly like a week later, she's like, oh, so-and-so is in town. We're going to do this. We're part of this women's group. You should come. I came. And then, then the person that was leading the group invited me into this other private group that they that they also have. And it's like all these women from all over the United States. Um, but like they previously to me never let anybody in because they wanted to keep it small and, and, and very much like very tight knit. So, but it was like a complete fluke of how I got into this group. But that work that we do, we do a lot of um, kind of introspection and there's a methodology of how it's facilitated uh, in terms of understanding ourselves and traumas and griefs and all this other stuff. It's very like they're, it's a therapy based, I would say, but not necessarily like, it's not a group for therapy. It's a, just a women's group. Um, but that has led to so much change and awareness and, uh, aliveness in my life. And like, it has spread into different parts of my life very intentionally, but like, I didn't necessarily manifest this to happen. It, I feel it literally like it was an accident and it was like a happy accident. And, and if it didn't happen, then I, my life would have been, um, would have just co continued in the way that it did. And maybe it would have taken a different turn. And, and, and also been just as joyful and rich, right? But like, I find it interesting that sometimes when we give up control of, of our perceived, uh, I don't want to say destiny because that sounds so final, but like, you know, our perceived next steps and we just observe what happens and where life leads us versus us leading it. Um, that also could be a really interesting place to end up. And and nurture some of those aspects of getting there too could lead you to a completely different place. And just having that, giving up that control is the hardest thing I've ever done. And I'm still working on it. I'm not, I wouldn't say I've, I'm not good at that. <laughs> that is the one place I'm like, both as an entrepreneur, um, it's a really, it's a problem of, of not being able to give, give up control. And also just as a person that's living in this world and growing in this world is another thing. And so it's, I have awareness around that. And it's interesting to watch myself sort of go through some of these things. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I, a theme I, I, that keeps sort of singing in my head is presence. Uh, and I think that presence is something that's required out of you as an entrepreneur, as a, as a leader in general, mm -hmm. um, as someone who is setting a trajectory 
uh, for yourself and potentially other people who might work with you or for you or around you or in relationship mm-hmm. to you. And uh, I really want to lift up to whoever is listening that you don't have to be an entrepreneur to be present and you don't have to be an entrepreneur to the benefits of presence. Uh, it is something that is definitely required out of you if you're going to create uh, an entity that is subject to so much uncertainty. But at the end of the day, life is subject to uncertainty. Yeah. And not every one who is an entrepreneur is present. And do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's not, a requ- I agree with you. It's not a requirement to be successful. I think it helps. It helps to be able to separate yourself from the thing that's happening in the moment and actually observe the moment and, and feel your body in the same time. I think it makes you more intuitive. It makes you more um, both for yourself and for other people that you're working with as well, because you can really save a lot of time by being present, but it's a very hard thing. You know, I think like I'm present right now, um, but I could tell you probably in two hours, I might be like running amok, you know, between two things that I need to do and get out and, and, you know, get out of my inbox. And like, then neither one of them will get done until maybe end of day or tomorrow. And it's like, that doesn't always happen, but, it, but I know myself and sometimes that does. And I also like, not, I'm not, I'm not judging myself anymore for these things too. Like it's, you have to kind of also in the, in the desire or the goal or the sort of path towards presence. I also feel like you need to give yourself grace in, in how you get there. And there is no, there is no right path, right? You have to, your humanness will come out, you know, and you Surprise! will deal, yeah, you will deal with, with, oops, you know, there's like a moving object over here. Let me go pay attention to that or like a phone call here. Um, and I think that's been, I think, after having my daughter, that's got, I've gotten a lot easier on myself as well. Cause I think before I was just really productive all the time, you know, and, and, or whatever I perceived as productive. Cause I'm sure, you know, there's people that are way more productive than I am, but I no longer use that as a metric. Like I don't really care if I send 50 emails today or two, as long as I get back, as long as I'm accountable to people, if I need to get back to them by a certain time or whatever, or they're depending on me, then I do you know, but everything else sort of becomes like, okay, well, I didn't get to it. Okay, it's fine. But then I got this done and that done. And then I actually rested for 10 minutes. I took a nap or I had tea or I called a friend that I hadn't talked to in years. That's also really worthwhile because to me, part of my human experience is also not only living fully and experiencing everything that comes towards me, but also being able to um, have those types of relationships and like really go deep with people. And that takes time. Sometimes it doesn't fit into a box you know, and that's okay. I think like early on, I had a mentor when I started the company who's just like a very successful Harvard business school, uh, entrepreneur turned venture capitalist, like a, a one person M&A shop, like amazing, just really, really great person, kind and also successful. And I would look at her and I'd be like, oh, I just want to be like that. Like she just gets so much done. She has the daughter, you know, her child, she has her husband, everything is, has its own place on a shelf. I could feel it, right? Like her brain is a shelf. And then she like fills all the things. And as much as I tried to be like her or like emanate some parts of her life, cause there's no way I could be like her. Um, it just didn't feel good. I didn't like limiting myself in certain ways. I didn't like that. I had this 15 minute increment to like meditate. What if I wanted to meditate for 45 minutes? Why not? You know, things like that, or like, what if my kid didn't want to draw right this moment? She wanted to cook this moment, right? And like, why do I need to 
like just because my brain was wired for her to draw because so that I could do some emails on this side over here. Um, like it just, I feel like we sometimes, um, as entrepreneurs oftentimes compare ourselves to, to people by just nature of being human. And I think the more that we can just get in touch with the, what do we need in that moment? What do we need in this day? What do we want to just, what will help us move an inch or a centimeter in any direction, right? Whatever that means for you. I think that is more important than looking at it like, you know, at, at someone and saying, oh my God, they're so successful. They've got everything figured out. I should take their template and apply it to my life. And then I'm going to have everything sorted. It's just, I, 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 I knew it didn't work for me then. And luckily I didn't spend too much time <laughs> like being hard on myself, but I know now that I'm like, I just work in a very organic fashion and the team works in that same fashion. Some people are more linear. Some people are less linear. Um, and the creativity spans in different ways too. And I think as much as we can in, like in, in thinking about even just how the, the future of work, so to speak, like I feel like allowing ourselves to just be who we are and get to the place where we need to be organically is the best possible outcome for all of this conversation. Not our conversation, but the conver this larger conversation of like teams, entrepreneurship and success and so forth. Um, and, you know, there's lots of, I mean, by virtue of being human, as you know, like we make mistakes where it's, it gets ugly. Like we, but if, but that ugliness, it doesn't have to be ugly. It could be just something that we look at and observe and then move, move through. Right. So. Yeah. Feel, recognize, sigh at. <laughs> yeah. And get mad at too. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's good to express it all. Right. As I'm learning. Cause this is like, this is, this is like another level of like hardship for me was like is to find my voice to express everything that I need to say in the moment I need to say it to say no in a way that's gonna feel good for me um that's hard hard for females but also like depending on your upbringing like I'm I was never allowed to like you know or didn't feel like I could rather I was not I was allowed but like to, to express myself fully and that manifested in my adult life and it has been and so it's something I'm working on and now I feel like <laughs> like I can't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is one practice that's helping you discover who you are right now? Mm, so I do um, this form of sort of um, therapy with my therapist called eidetic image therapy, where it allows you to, it's facilitated by my therapist, but it allows you to access um, images that are formed in your mind throughout your entire life. Because our memory is able to um, capture only some things that happen to us, right? Not everything gets registered where you can recall it. But in this way um, of facilitating, you can actually access the feeling associated with a situation, not exactly the situation. And so in this form of therapy, um, the, the therapist facilitates you into a, um, an image of sorts. And then your relationship with what's happening in the image is actually your emotional response, your somatic response to whatever you're working on. And so that's been really like foundational to me finding my voice and we're not even finding my voice, just articulating anything that I need to say and saying it proudly, loudly, confidently. Um, it's been super hard uh, work. I, I do it very often, like weekly, um, especially for the past three years before it used to be much more sporadic, but now it like during COVID it accelerated as with everything. And that's also allowed me to really quickly understand what is my relationship to the, to the situation, any situation, professional or personal. And that is sort of the gut feeling that I look for when I make decisions. It's the gut feeling I look for um, when I'm trying to feel into a relationship. Like, 
is this person the right hire? Is this person the right advisor? Um, and I, I can do a several images now facilitate even myself through them because I have the foundation, um, that my therapist has given me to be able to create this. It, it feels like a mindfulness practice, honestly, because it's so somatic, but it's, um, very much comes from like this encyclopedia of images created by, um, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, um, probably like 60 years ago. Um, and it comes out of a Jungian sort of approach to therapy. So anyway, really enjoy it. Cause I, you know, I love the psychological stuff too. Um, I really enjoy it. I sometimes even practice it with my clients where I'm trained in the methodology now. And so I bring my, if my clients are, are in a moment of like, in, like an impasse in their lives or something where they're like, I can, I can see like an image might actually help them where they can connect inwards it helps a lot for, especially for those who don't um, have a meditation practice or a mindfulness practice. So, and it's something that's very much applicable to business as much as it is to like any personal situation. So I, I use that as my, as my way of connecting. As you were describing this practice, a flock of birds just flew across my window. So oh. I, <laughs> I can't think of a more poetic way to close on this episode. Thank you awesome. so much, Rima. I will definitely, I will add the the links to your work and to mm-hmm. dialogue and the show notes. I know that folks are really excited to hop into your work. Uh, is there anything you'd like to share to feel complete before we close? Oh, I love that question. Um, no, I mean, I think, I think, I think I've talked a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I feel like really great. Um, thank you so much for having me. This has been so, so fun. I so enjoy our conversations and I hope there's more to come. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Not Yet. The podcast is hosted by me, Paige Polk, and produced by Paige Polk International. The show art is made by Elizabeth Olguin, and the music is by Elder. Don't forget to subscribe here. And if you want more of this love in your life, visit notyetseries.com to join the Not Yet Project and community.